Good morning. Welcome to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Aberly. Wow, haunting song, huh, Jack? Yeah, very haunting. You set that up for me uh, the other night. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, how did you feel first time you heard it? Kind of moved in a way. Like, it was, yeah, as you said, it's very haunting. I was like, wow. Yeah, you weren't like every emotion first time I heard it, first yeah. time I saw the trailer to the movie we're going to discuss today and the topic that is extremely serious, and a lot of people do not know about it. Mm -hmm. uh, sex trafficking. Yeah. I don't think people realize how much it goes on, where it goes on, who's doing it, who are the victims. But my guests today have taken all of that, all their research, everything, their belief systems, put everything on the line to do this incredible movie that right now is in post-production, I believe they expect it out in February. The movie is called Amy. I and I watched the trailer for it. Like, trailer's uh, incredible, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, another haunting thing. But here are my guests. I have Kara Myers, writer, Lee Whitaker, writer and director. Welcome, both of you, to my show, Life Unedited, and thank you for coming on. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thanks for having us. Oh, uh, no, no, no. This was, <laughs> was a no-brainer. Uh, after I finally sat down and had time to view the trailer. And uh, any of the listeners out there right now, you can go and view the trailer. I believe it's still on LinkedIn. You can type in Amy uh, Lee's name, Kara's name, and it'll pop up. But let's get right to it. Who had the concept for the movie from the beginning? Was that you, Kara? Um, I had seen a documentary, oh, probably 15 to 20 years ago about the topic. And when some people approached me about wanting to do a film, um, that's what I wanted to cover was the issue of child sex trafficking here in the U.S. And, of course, and then I met Lee, and he was like, yeah, let's do this. He was totally on board from the very beginning. And, and Carrie, your background, uh, screenplay writer, you've been involved in movies, Hollywood, for a long time? <laughs> no, actually— Ah, um, ah, my, a better story, my, please. Yeah, my background is uh, a lot of decades in dental for an office, collections, okay. insurance. I got a bug for writing about 30 years ago, and but then when I retired, I was able to put full time into it. So this is my, my first big project, my first feature as a writer. Excellent. That is, uh, I guess, in some ways or in a lot of ways, a dream come true finally for you to realize your true talents. I know that feeling. <laughs> I can relate to yeah. that. I work to survive. This is the yeah. love. Um, we'll bring Lee in. Now, Lee, your background is pretty much mainstream Hollywood. Uh, from what I understand, when you graduated from high school, you went right out. You did work with George Lucas, other different uh, famous directors and so forth. What made you gravitate towards this? I know you've done other movies of very serious topics, but what grabbed you here and what made you decide, okay, I, I can work with Kara here, even though she's a novice. Where did, you know, how did that develop? I think, you know, I just freshly came off a, a project that I was talking about homeless children in Los Angeles. And that project really geared me into the youth um, and which is our ultimate future. When Kara brought this topic to me, it was just something that I absolutely could not turn my back from. I, I couldn't turn my head away from it. It was hard enough to see homeless kids and people always turning their head from that. But to rape our children for money is just out of the question. So it was something that 
for me, I knew that, okay, if, if God gave me these talents and these gifts, you know, as in entertainment, what can I do with it? And how can I change our world? And essentially. Now, it must have been interesting uh, for you, Leek. Was it really that big of a step, I guess, to go from doing uh, a movie, a documentary, to go into child, you know, your movie being on homeless children in, in, in uh, the L.A. area? I honestly, I believe it was just one more step into a dark world there for you. It really was. Um, you know, I, when I did my homeless one, I made it more fantastical. You know what I mean? So I had the whimsical side, but this, okay. there, there is no whimsical side to this topic. And, you know, so, you know, we had been drafting this for a while. When we actually did a proof of concept short for it, it was really hard for me. And I was worried about doing the feature because we only shot the short for four days. Hmm. And I remember shooting a scene and, you know, as a director, these little actors, they come in there and they're just wide eyed. And, you know, I, I got to take them to a dark place and I'm making these little girls cry. Hmm. And then, you know, and you're in the room and you're seeing these young performers perform. And then it all of a sudden became so real to me. I had when I said cut, I went in, I hugged the young girl because she was crying. I had to walk out of the house, down the street, sit on the curb and I was bawling. And it, 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 it was so powerful to me. I was like, how am I going to survive a full-length feature of this? Yeah. And when we talked to ARC, you know, Tina Paulson, you know, she, they're actually boots on the ground. They're actually rescuing people here in Los Angeles and in the United States. She said something really good to me before we even started shooting. And it was like, I do no service to these victims by being that way. And I have to be strong and moving forward in this. We can't get too... Sad, yes, it's, it's, it's traumatic, it's, it's, it's disgusting, but we got to put on our big boy pants, so to speak, and get in there and do the work. Yeah, she's right. So There's a time and a place to have your breakdown. Time place, yeah, yeah, time and a place. you right. got to put it in perspective because right. both you and Kara are doing a true service. You're bringing light to something. Really, it's not table conversation. It's it, It's... Definitely not conversation. Um, you know, you're going to have it a ball game with your buddy. Uh, I don't think women yeah. are discussing it when they're at a baby shower or something. I think it's right. a topic we hide from, like most social topics. Um, I think and I thank God for people like you and Karen, the people you're associated with that are bringing this out. It is difficult for me personally it was difficult to watch the trailer, to feel the emotion inside of that whole two minutes because my emotions ran everywhere so to me yeah i felt the same felt thing. the same thing jack yeah, was, and you've got age yeah. difference here jack's a young man in his early 20s i'm 51 been around the block a little bit but here it is you've, you've been able to catch two generations with pretty much the same emotions now Kara, for you was this the topic you just went to right away? You're involved in different organizations. I understand. Is is this where you went to right off the top? Um, I'm not. I'm not totally understanding. I guess question, I should say John. when you got into writing, was this one of the first things you wanted to write and and put out there? Yes. Yes. From the time I saw that documentary, I just always wanted to do something on this. And, and until the opportunity really came up, um, I just, I didn't have any idea how it was all going to work out. Um, and again, meeting Lee was just phenomenal as far as we were just both really on the same page as how we wanted to do this film to hopefully bring this topic to mainstream America. But yeah, it's just something that hit me in the gut and I could never let go of it. And again, Lee was so much on the same page that um, we're like, let's go for this. We actually wrote two totally, completely different scripts before we got to this one that we pitched. The first one was so raw and real. We said, we're, nobody's going to sit in a the theater and watch us. I wouldn't even want to watch it. And we, we were really anguished over how do we put the key elements and get information across that this is happening and again, make it palpable. Put it. I mean, it's still it's still a, a rough film to watch, but make it palpable to where people will sit and and uh, you know get the message and watch this film. And that was our big big uh, challenge. Lee, 
trying to get the film made. I understand both you and Kara have been like five and a half, six years, your life's blood's into this. And God, I understand that. And I pray for both of you that this is a, is a breakthrough moment for sex trafficking to be recognized and for the two of your, for your careers. Lee, what was the response when you're shopping it around? Uh, you told straight up, this just isn't a topic Hollywood wants to cover. Um, go back, do something else. Well, I wish it was uh, black and white like that, but there's always a gray Hollywood, a gray, a gray area in Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. But nobody wants to really, you know, tell you the truth to your face. But they'll be like, oh, we're not interested. We're going to pass. And it, every single person that I spoke with, even the, I went after specific actors and I got the same runaround. Oh, sorry. Uh, we're busy. Oh, we're not interested. Thank you so, lo- so much. Good luck. You know what I mean? And it was really heartbreaking, you know? And, uh, it's frustrating because I was like, oh, what, you know, we have this. What are we going to do about it? You know, and it's not a cheap film to make because mm-hmm. you have all this action and all this other stuff in it. And uh, I finally told my wife, I go, I'm tired of waiting. Let's, are you OK? I just want to put everything on the line and just do it. And she looked at me and she goes, let's go. And I, I, I'm so lucky that I have a wife like that, man. That she has Yeah, you are. <laughs> you are. <laughs> You know, um, and, and here we are. We're still in post and it's still a process. But, um, yeah, I just, you know, there was a, a movie. It was a really funny movie. It was a comedy movie called Galaxy Quest, sci-fi comedy. Yeah. And, and that movie had a quote in it that the moment I saw that to this day, I've lived my life by it. And it's, it's uh, uh, never give up, never surrender. Yeah, I've you got know? a, I've got a so, version tattooed on my arm. No retreat, no surrender from my military days. Perfect. Yeah. And you, you fully get it. Oh, so, I get it completely. I get every emotion. Now I get the emotion. I obviously don't understand truly the experience. Only those young women do and ever will. Yeah. So when I say I get it, yeah, I get the emotions from many different ways. I get the emotion as a father of two daughters. I feel the emotion as a man. I feel the emotions of compassion and I feel helpless when I'm watching it. Except for when I see the heroine come on, the young lady we're going to discuss here in a moment, who is your, your hero who's going out there and she does, she does kick ass. So it is a different kind of movie. And I want to lead into that. Now, this is not a documentary. This is not a docudrama. This is a movie. You watch the trailer. You are watching a trailer. You would see, sitting in any movie theater tonight, waiting for your primary movie to come on. And uh, Kara, when you started writing this, did you see see this ever going in that direction where it would be an action movie with one of the biggest messages ever sent? Um, Yeah, and immediately upon meeting Lee, again, that's one of the things that we discussed, and and Lee being... um, Mr. Action Man, <laughs> I refer to him a lot of times. It was like we knew we had to have action in this film. We we knew we had to have it be a kick butt film. You know, it's it's huge. Um, I think just about anybody in any country in any language can relate to. You're not messing with with me and mine. You know, you, you just you mess with the wrong people. And. Initially, we had it being a brother going after Amy, mm-hmm. and it was Lee's idea. He called me one day, and he's like, hey, how about we make it a female lead? He said, think about it overnight. And I said, oh, my goodness, I do not have to think about this. I said, this is awesome because, you know, you mess with Mama Bear, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's an aunt, a grandma, a mom, a sister, um, you, you, you mess with the wrong person, and it just felt so right. As soon as Lee mentioned it, it was like, yeah, let's do this. Lee and I had a pre-interview the other day, and uh, of course that topic came up. And it made, once I got past my own thoughts, okay, uh, should there be a man playing this role? I realized there's no way. It has to be a woman. It has to be someone with a background of her own, which in her case, your your star's case, um, uh, she has a uh, special ops background with Marines, obviously in Afghanistan and so forth. So she's bringing damage, but she's also bringing a world of knowledge and connections and a fear that she's able to control because of her background. 
So all yeah. of this comes together and you would, it would all come together for a man, but I think it becomes too action-packed if it's a man. Here, it stays focused, and I think you'll get a lot of young women, a lot of mothers in that area, in that genre, that, that will look at it that way. We got a woman kicking ass here. This is great. She gets it. She's going after it. Looking around the movie, the different characters, you have strong male characters, people that can add support to it, which adds, I think, more realism. But but for you, Lee, was that you came to that conclusion? Was it hard or was it automatic for you to start incorporating it? Did you have to think about it or to come naturally? It actually, uh, I was I remember the actual moment I was sitting in my car in, in my driveway and I had called Kara and I go, something's not right. You know, and we had finished the film writing it, you know, and everything and it was ready to go. And I go, something just is not sitting right in my my stomach. And it's like, as I was speaking to her, I was like, it's a sister. And that's when that moment happened. And then I think it became that because as a man, I cannot understand or relate the, t- the robbery of innocence mm-hmm. as, a, as a female gets from her virginity. Okay. I can't understand that as far as like in rape and stuff like that. And I think a, a female and a sister can relate to that on a, a deeper level than a brother could. A brother's just going to get furious. But there's also different um, depths of, of emotion that a female is going to feel or a sister is going to feel or a mother, you know? So I felt at that point, I mean, that's, for me, in conflict, the more emotional conflict I have, the better. I have to agree there because I think my instinct is give me whatever I need or I'll find what I need and I'm on a hunt. Where right. women in general in this kind of situation – they think about it. They think it through. Women are much smarter than men are. <laughs> they oh, they yeah. are able to separate the emotion from what's necessary. And I give right. a lot of credit. My wife and I talk about that. She's like, yeah, you, you live and breathe on emotion. I said, yes, I do. But yeah. across the spectrum of emotions, I don't have a problem crying, holding my kids, telling my kids I love them. There's no, you know, it's it crosses the spectrum there. Um, Kara. You have grandchildren. Uh, you could relate on many different levels to this. You know, I I had step grandchildren mm-hmm. at one point, but uh, that didn't last. So, um, but again, grandchildren in the family for sisters and brothers, and and uh, uh, yeah, I just wow. I had grandchildren um, that would just slay me. My, my niece, when we first started working on this film, her youngest daughter was 12 years old and the other one was 14 and I just love those kids to death so um, just the comprehension and it crossed my mind different times I thought oh my god you know what if anything ever happened to them what if somebody got a hold of them and um, and we talked about it first thing we'd be doing is gathering together the women in the family I mean <laughs> we would we would cross hell to to find those kids and do whatever we could do it's just, uh, yeah, it, it hits you in a way that, uh, and as a woman, I, you know, I never really thought a lot about how men would think of it, but it's, um, yeah, you can relate in a different way when you think about what's happening to these kids. It, uh, it's very, uh, very difficult at times to even think about. Yeah, it is. And I think that's why, actually, one of the bigger reasons uh, probably Hollywood didn't want to touch, especially everything that's going on right now with the Me Too movement and just the topic, which is a shame because in my mind, in a lot of ways, that's what they're there for, not to censor art, not to censor yeah, the topic. That's right. I think they're there. Look, I don't know how many movie theaters, there, uh, movie producers, movie companies there are. I know there's uh, ones that fall under the other umbrella, so on and so forth can't be that hard to find uh, a group, someone willing to take this topic on. I mean, we go after other things. Great. Uh, Rain Man was great. Showed a lot. <laughs> just as a quick example. But yeah. something like this, again, needs to be seen, needs to be understood. And I, I want to go now to your star. Uh, Jamine, I cannot pronounce her last name, so please forgive me. Uh, I'm sorry, where did she come from? Lee? You explained her background to me. Yeah, yeah, Yasmin. Yasmin, Yasmin thank you. Name. It looks like Jasmine, but Yasmin, John Doe. Thank you. Um, sh- she's from Austria. 
And uh, I had a casting director, um, and she told me about this girl, and she said she was interested, and she was, of course, in Austria at the time. And, you know, usually when you have a casting and you have auditions, you, you know, people come in the room and they audition for you, and you tape it and so on and so forth. So this was new for me, so I'm like, okay, well, we'll just deal with it. I'll give her the, you know, the side, which is material, the Torito uh, readover, and then we Skyped. So we had a Skype audition, which was really cool. And I knew right then, I'm like, okay, this is, she, she's got so much depth to her that she can bring to the table on this. And she was tough, too. She was like, she's like a dude, man. This girl is so cool. Like, she's a beautiful woman, but she's also like a dude. She's really cool. She'll, like, fist bump you and, and pop you in the shoulder, which I was like, oh, she's perfect. Yeah, she seemed like she comes across as someone I would want in my platoon if I was uh, moving forward involved in something uh, serious, uh, much like my sister. I'll give my sister a plug on that. Much like my sister who <laughs> just uh, retired as Sergeant Major after 20-plus years in the Army. So there you go, sis. Love you. Great job. It, it, did, it, did she understand the role that she was going to be taking on? Was it a stretch? Did you have to prepare her yeah. in this sense, or did she kind of get it? Oh, she got it. I don't think there's a female out there that doesn't get it. You know what I mean? I, I just think it's built in, built into your DNA. You rape children, I'm going to smash you. You know what I mean? Yep. So I don't think that was really hard for her. The only thing we had to really train her on was uh, the physical aspect, you know, getting her stunt ready and fight ready. Uh, you did a great job there from the trailer. Looks like she completely got that. <laughs> I mean, no, no issues on that one. I, Again, I think that's a very important aspect to the movie. I think that is what will bring people in or maybe keep them in. The topic's hard. But again, I think Jack, my producer, will back me up. As a man, when you're watching it, I feel the tension. I feel the tension. I want to get in the screen. I want to start going after them. Not in an action pack like Rocky way. In right. a way that I know. I felt that way. Yeah, too, you feel like there's men for all the bad we do as a whole. God forgive us. There is an instinct inside of us to protect, to protect women, to protect our children as well. It right. is more violent, I think, Absolutely. comes out. But that's what I was feeling. And I think a lot of men will feel that. Uh, Good. Was wondering, do what? what kind of age group are you shooting for this? Is it? Is it going to be disturbing to think for eight or nine or 10 year old girls or boys, girls in particular? Or are you looking for that higher type of uh, older audience? Well, I, that's a very valid question. You know, Karen and I discussed this early on. And, you know, we wanted to make sure the language, number one, was kept at a place where we didn't get an R rating. We wanted to make sure that the violence and the action wasn't. We didn't want to show blood or anything like that. We would, we didn't want to make it too violent that youngsters, because we want the eight-year-olds to watch this because this is their future as well. Know the signs. See something, say something. So we wanted to reach a broad demographic, which is always hard to do in Hollywood. Yeah, you know, you got to pick one demographic and just go for it. But uh, we didn't want to do that because we knew that once this film was finished, did the festival circuit, did the film circuit, you know, we wanted to then take it to education and, and churches. You know, to get the community to really, you know, come on board with this. I think you will. Now, we're going to roll into one of the few breaks that I told you we'd take. We'd take one here at the bottom of the hour. Then we're going to come back. We're going to move into the facts of uh, sex trafficking, the things we can do as just regular people, things we can do as a whole with society. So we're going to come back and get into that. You are listening to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Averly. I have the writer-director Lee Whitaker on. I have the writer Karen Myers on. They have done the movie. Amy, find the trailer. We'll be right back.
emotional there. Yeah, I, re- I feel it too. <laughs> you know, I don't, uh, <clears throat> not one day to get emotional, like, you know, choked up, but yeah, that just is why I paused there. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to pause there. Welcome back to Life Unedited. I'm your host, John Aberly. Special show today. I'm going to call it that. I have the uh, writer and the director writer of a movie called Amy. So I have Kara Myers and Lee Whitaker. Find the trailer, Amy, A-I-M-E-E. Two minutes, you will find it is dramatically different than anything you've ever seen on a topic such as this, such as sex trafficking. It is not a documentary. It is not a docudrama. It is a real movie, meaning in the sense it's a movie you would want to see sitting in a movie theater with anybody else. But it, be, be, be warned, it's intense. But I think it's intense in a good way. Lee, um, you and I discussed this, and I want to uh, hit it now. Backstory to the song. Backstory to the soundtrack here and, and how this came about. Because... In a lot of ways, that song could be beautiful if, if some of the words were changed. I like how the high pitch, I like the sound. But if you really listen to the words, that's not what you're getting here. So can you explain the backstory? Sure. When, uh, when, I, I, when I was writing the song, uh, it, it took me about two weeks. I, I, I used to be a songwriter back in the day. And, um, you know, I literally would just turn on the microphone and go, but I had been so long since then, so I had to brush off the cobwebs. But anyways, you know, I just sat there, turned on the microphone a few times, and, and when it finally came out, when the melody started to come out and the lyrics, I quickly realized that this song is actually coming from one of the characters in the film. Her name is Melanie. And um, there's an incident in the film uh, that's pretty traumatic to this character. She's about 14, 15 years old. And it just kind of just like a revelation or epiphany came to me. And I'm like, this is her song in that moment. So in this moment that she's having, well, I would say it's a life moment. That's when the melody and the lyrics came. And she was just wondering, as a young kid would, how did I get here? I'm supposed to be on a playground right now. Yeah. Yeah. Enough awareness to yeah. know this isn't right. And unfortunately, more than enough awareness to know it's not right. And uh, that's the way it moves. Um, Some statistics, some facts uh, I think we need to know. And uh, Kara in particular, jump in anytime. Um, If I'm right or wrong, I'm going to throw it back to you. How prevalent is sex trafficking here in the United States? What are we looking at? Oh, my. Well, first of all, it's in every single state in the U.S., um, you know, I hear a lot of different things. This state's worse than this and that. And there are some that it's more prevalent than others. But it literally is going on in every state in the U.S. And, um, you know, in residential neighborhoods, uh, places where you wouldn't expect. I mean, there's holding houses uh, where they have girls locked up. And then they maybe get, they'll get pulled out at night and taken to hotels and motels and trailers and, and various places. But they're locked up in these homes. And, um, and the traffickers are getting more brazen. They're taking these kids out to restaurants and maybe to the gym to work out and, and various places. So it's really, really important. They'll take them shopping if they uh, feel they have them uh, brainwashed enough and, and uh, they're too frightened to ever say anything or do anything. They are taking them out into public. So it's huge for people to learn the signs. Huge. Age range, what are we looking at here? 13, 14 to 21, 22? As young as 6, 7, but the average age here in the U.S. is 12 to 14. Wow, 12 to 14. Mm-hmm. Some quick, quick statistics I have here of the top 11 U.S. states that uh, are engaged in sex trafficking. Texas, Washington State, Montana, Minnesota, Mississippi, Oklahoma, Georgia, Kansas. Other than Texas, maybe Minnesota, none of these places appeal to me as far as going for entertainment. So are these these places specifically picked by sex traffickers? Uh, a number of these states are in the South. Um, have they done their homework as far as maybe demographical homework? So. No, you don't think this is just them going, huh? 
Yeah, because Florida is a big one, too, and you have so many theme parks there and tourist attractions there. It's a big hot spot. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Now, go ahead. Nevada, that's another big one. Obviously, you can see the enticement there. You know, prostitution is legal in Vegas, so it makes uh, sex trafficking that more easier. Yeah. When when they approach a girl, a young girl in particular, say... I don't know, 13, 14, 15. Are they looking to isolate them at that moment away from their friends? Uh, The way I see this, I see it different as far as uh, a predator who is looking for children in in a different way. There's grooming involved. Help me if I'm wrong here. I see it a little bit differently. I see the evil person coming, trying to isolate the girl from her friends taking her, and I believe the grooming process starts after they've been taken. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. Well, here, John, one of, the things, one of the things is the grooming process happens a lot online and mm. through social media. Okay. This is huge. And, and the traffickers and the organizations that traffic, they are getting so uh, sophisticated with using apps and tracking kids. And some of these apps that kids download and the gaming apps that they download onto their phones, they have GPS trackers in them. I mean, you really, really, really need to learn and train kids uh, what to watch for. And because social media is, is one of their biggest things. So a lot of times, maybe by the time a trafficker uh, might actually meet a kid or talk to them in person. They've already been chatting with them a lot. Okay, so it's already the grooming process is done differently in the sense mm-hmm. that you're saying online uh, tracking systems, which really scare me. Uh, my daughters yeah. are older, and I thought about this. I'm like, geez, how many? Because parents, we really don't know. We like to think we know everything our kids are doing. Uh, I never felt bad about checking up on things. It's my house. It's my job to make sure you get to a certain age and, and you move on in life and you're productive and the whole nine yards there. But if you have parents that are working two jobs, barely keeping it together, things get lost. And yes. one of the one of the things I read, and again, help me, correct me if I'm wrong, but it made sense to me. Girls that bounce around the foster care system, they seem very vulnerable to me. And that made a lot of sense. So, Kara, please, Lee, jump in when you want. Um, Go go ahead, Kara. Runaways is big. Foster care system is big. Um, It's it's becoming, uh, it's, it's shifting now. You know, it used to be you could pretty much figure that most of your kids uh, that were getting grabbed up and being trafficked were, you know, foster care, runaways, that type of thing. But the statistics on that are even shifting, you know. I mean, just kids from, you know, good homes. Uh, one of the things that Homeland Security and, and uh, different people have said, you know, the best way to protect kids is to train them how dangerous it is to have interaction with people in the cyber world and teach them what the tactics of exploiters looks like. You know, if kids are scared enough, they'll recognize the signs of trouble and steer clear. And um, and, and plus, they'll help their peers stay safe. You know, we just, we really, man, awareness and education is huge in this. Huge. Yeah. And, you know, you know, you know John, when we were kids, right, mm-hmm. we were taught that, hey, if, if a van rolls up and guy's like, hey, kid, you want some candy? Stranger danger, right? That, uh, that you was, got it. It was black and it was black and white then. It's not black and white anymore. This is all happening cyberly. And so they already get manipulated with such a young brain. You know, they're still learning. So they're easily manipulated and, and groomed right away. And, it, and don't think for a second that it's all men. Most of the time now, your groomers are females. It's easier for them. I make sense. Old. That they're makes young. sense. Um, you have the woman, you have her inside the pack. She's grooming them. There's a safety there in the sense that the girls will gravitate towards her. There's a whole dynamics going on there that I can only imagine that can be understood by a younger girl and a woman a little older than her playing this whole thing out. Brainwashing at that point, Kara, is that where it's gone with the girl who who is now acting as the uh, inviter, so to say? Uh Yeah, well, there's just such intimidation and fear 
Um, I don't know if you're referring. I mean, a lot of traffickers will have what they call a bottom bitch. Yeah, that's what I'm referring and, to. The, per, the young yeah. woman who has probably been there so long, learned how to survive, and now yeah. she's the one that's going out. She's the one bringing them back. Well, and, and yes, and, and uh, a lot of the young girls, not even necessarily the bottom bitch, they will train them. Uh, you know, maybe they get special perks. They will train them. They go out. And they'll pull other young girls in, and um, and the very first time we met with uh, Detective Keanu mm. uh, five years ago, she told us, you know, traffickers a lot of times, and they're using fifteen, sixteen year old boys to lure uh, young girls in to the system. So again, the traffickers are so sophisticated in the ways that they go about luring kids in, and then the control once they have them you know, threats to their family, you know. Uh, we know where your house is. We're going to kill your family if you ever try to get away. I mean, it's just, it's horrific what they go through. I personally can't even imagine. No, I can't, because then you're feeling the whole weight of your family on your shoulders, and you're thinking, geez, if I do try to do something, my own survival instincts kick in. These people are going to kill my family. So yeah, it's like right. a conflict within. And I want to... Um, Acknowledge uh, your affiliates here, the people that are involved with you in this movie and what they do. ARC Association for the Recovery of Children out of California. CC's Hope Center out of Arizona. For the One, New Mexico. Saving Innocence, also out of California. Was it difficult to, to find organizations to work with you or is that that just came like a natural bridge? Well, you um, can okay, okay. Yeah, go ahead. That's <laughs> yeah. okay. Look, hey, well, that's what happens. It, it was somewhat difficult initially until they realized that that Lee and I were serious. Um, yeah, they vetted us we, pretty hard for many years. Good, <laughs> good. Yeah, I like yeah. to hear that. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And and but, you know, you know yeah. knew what. The, go ahead, Lee. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it really came down to when we pushed the trailer out. When we put that trailer, they had read the script. You know, there's a lot of talk in Hollywood, you know, blah, blah, I'm going to do this. Okay, sure. But until you show proof of that, then they're like, oh, they're serious. And once that kind of happened, they've been vetting us for a few years, making sure we're the right integritous kind of people. And I appreciate that, and I honor that, you know. And, um, and then once that happened, once they saw the trailer, and once, uh, one organization came on, the other one kind of came on, and it just kind of grew from there, you know? Yeah, that's good. But, so you yeah. had that domino also, effect of belief. Y yeah. And, you know, for your audience, too, um, our website has our affiliations on there. So it's amymovie.com. It's really the trailers on there. You can get all kinds of information on our website. And then you can also click on these affiliations and see how you can get involved with your community as well. Yeah. Excellent information we need. And feel free again, either Lee or Kara, to kick in uh, with that with that website, what you guys are doing, because I'm going to ask again towards the end of the program. But feel free to okay. kick it in. Very important. What are we John, looking at? I'm sorry, I go just ahead. want to say yeah. uh, you, you did not mention fight to end exploitation, and they're in, uh, out in Wisconsin. I apologize. Now let's give them a little extra here. Fight for exploitation. Do you have a website for them where I can just guide my... Listeners it's to go look on, for. Uh, if you go to amymovie.com, you can go to our affiliations page and it'll have every single one of our affiliations on there and their website to click away. Excellent. Um, is there a place to make comments, uh, share information back and forth on the website? Uh, we do have email address so you can reach out to us. I don't think we have a comment section. That's interesting. I should probably try to do that. And the only reason yeah. I bring it up is because. Obviously, there's going to be women out there, even young men who've been through something like this or might be in a situation. It's the only message they can get out. Uh, just right. a thought there with that. Signs. Since you brought yeah. that up, yeah. you know, we, we do have a Facebook page and we're mm -hmm. constantly, almost daily posting from across the state. Hmm. So that's another place. And it's still it's a new movie, you know what I mean, on Facebook. And so you can get educated there as well on a on a daily, weekly basis. You can you can leave comments, you can share, so which is also really good. Yeah, I would think so. It's a place where victims can kind of get it out, share with other victims, understand, find someone who understands what they've been through. As much empathy as I can come up with, uh, as much empathy as anyone can come up with, 
you still never really get it. And right. I think it's yeah. important if victims have a way to engage and discuss, even on a different level, uh, the relatives or the friends of, of victims. It gives them place to engage because, again, all the empathy in the world. But if I'm not, if it's not my child, I, I feel it, but I don't feel it the way I should or could. So I right. think it's important to have that interaction between between victims again. Kara, what are we looking for in a girl that has been taken, that's been abducted? She's inside the sex world, inside the world of sex trafficking, but she's out in public. What are we looking for for signs? So the average person might go, yeah, this doesn't look right. Um, I'll give you an example of something I've personally run into. Um, and also my niece, who at the age of 12 started hearing about this topic. Mm. And um, she gave her mom a call one day uh, last summer. Now she's 17. She's waitressing. She calls her mom up. And she says, Mom, there's a trafficker in here with three girls. I know that's what he is. And, um, again, the, the man's age uh, versus the girl's. The girls, um, he, you can tell he's in charge. He's running the show. Um, it's, you, you get a sense. They don't make eye contact. They don't even talk with each other mm. the way kids or teens normally would. Um, you can tell he's, he's in control. It's just a whole different ballgame than if they're sitting there with their dad or their uncle or their granddad. You know, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's, it's just so bizarre to watch. Um, Sometimes you, you you may see him um, in the situation that I experienced. Um, he's being he was being abusive to the two two girls, um, and you just knew they they weren't talking to each other. And it's really crazy to watch how they are so geared to. And this is out in a public situation where you can't help but in a glance or you might make eye contact. They don't make eye contact with anybody. They don't speak. Um, and in those situations, pretty much all you can do, and this came initially from Detective Kiana, you be a good witness. You get as much information as you can. You pay attention to what they look like. Um, and, you know, and you don't approach the girls. You don't ever do that. Yeah. yeah, don't do that because you just don't know what you're getting into. But you can also tell by inappropriate touching. You know, if it's an older man, you got young girls that look like little 11 year olds and touching them inappropriately, you kind of know. And they're not making eye contact with anybody else except for their handler. You know, the clothing that they're wearing, the branding of tattoos that they might have. So something that looks out of place feels out of place because, you know, instinctively in a lot of ways, what's a normal relationship between a father, daughter, normal relationship yeah. between a, a young woman or grandfather or uncle, what have you. It, if it, if it doesn't feel right, say something, um, you're right. Right. Approaching is not going to do any good because they're going to bolt once you do it. Um, but there is a fine line here too, though. Uh, how many of these girls are 18 and what can be done if they are, because are they being held against their will unless you can prove it? Uh, but right. they're not coming to you and saying, hey, get me out of here. So obviously brainwashing has occurred. Threats have been made. But what? where does the law stand with that? And it, um, uh, Kara, if you go with that, I'd like to know also a little bit more about the, the detective. Um, detective Keanu, when we first met her, she was supervised for LAPD task force on child sex trafficking. And 25 years at that time, all child crimes. Um, but one of the things that always stuck with me, Lee asked uh, Detective Keanu, he said, what do you find is your biggest deterrent to making progress with this? And she immediately said society. That really threw me. And I'm like, okay, how so? And she said, I'll give you a good example. We just closed the trial last week. And she said, we were elated. The evidence that we had on this guy couldn't have been any better. But she said, people expect to see a monster. And she said, the jury literally could not wrap their minds around the fact that this man had done the evil and vile things that he had done to children. And he just didn't get a low sentence. They did not convict him. The jury, he got off. And she said, that's what we're running into. 
you know, I thought when I first started researching this that traffickers are, you know, like uh, a stereotype like I might see in a movie of mm-hmm. pimps and, you know, maybe they're maybe they're on drugs and they're just mean and they look ugly. And I tell you what, these guys are um, this comes from Saving Innocence. I did a workshop with them one time. A lot of these guys are very good looking. They're intelligent. They're gregarious. They're well spoken. They can be outgoing. They can be charming. But they're sociopaths. They're not what you would necessarily expect to look at this guy and go, oh, if you saw him out and about all by himself and he's chatting with you, you go, oh, he's a trafficker. Makes sense. Um, If you have people always think it's the boogeyman. They think when they find out a, a child or children have been molested, oh, it's the guy around the street corner who isolates himself in his home. A lot of times it's the teacher, the coach, someone priest now, someone with access to children. Um, I assume these men have or have found access to these young women, as you were saying earlier, Kara. Uh, they approach them. Well, a good-looking young kid might approach them. Other ways to get their attention. And I want to stop for a second and let the two of you know, I'm allowing this to run an extra 10 or 15 minutes. So don't feel we have to rush for the next five minutes to the top of the hour. We're going to go an extra 10. Yes, we're going to go an extra 10, 15 here. Uh, I'll bite the bullet with the GM and uh, they can just live with it. And that's just the way it'll have to be. They'll live with it. So I I, I see that. But Kara, if you have to, is there a basic hate to say it that way, but a basic description or something that you can definitely look for as far as the predator part goes, who the predator is? Well, I don't think so. Yeah. No, so you don't, yeah, so you, really so you don't this, think so. it yeah. just crosses the board, huh? It crosses yeah. the board. I mean, it's just like, I mean, I hate to use this as a reference. You remember Dahmer? Yes, very much you know? so, yes. You know what I'm saying? It's the guy next door. It's the guy that you sit next to in church. It's the guy that works at the bank or works at, well, it used to be Blockbuster, but it's not there anymore. But you don't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> I understand. You know? It's the average person that that you just wouldn't suspect. However, the bigger players, we looking at gangs, we looking at the mob, are we looking at independents that have decided to set up as distributors, yeah. 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 Who, who are we looking at as far as the bigger players? Who is well, ground zero for this? Let me put it into perspective. Mm-hmm. Let's say your your guy's selling crack on the street. Okay, he's going to make maybe eighty grand a year. That's a that's top dollar, right? Eighty grand a year selling crack. But you know, you sell the crack, it's gone. It's not a reusable commodity. The moment they found out about this, if they have five to six girls, that eighty grand went to eight hundred thousand dollars a year. That's for one person that was selling crack on the street. So imagine the big business this has turned into, and now it's getting into organized crime. So yeah. the United States of America is the leader in trafficking right now. Wow, when you think about that. Let me. We go in another direction with it then. How many runaways, girls that have run away, disappeared, what have you, how many of them are victims, if you had to give me an idea? Because at a certain point, I think the FBI has statistics. If you're not found, girls not found, boys not found within like 72 hours, it changes from uh, actively searching for a live person to now looking for the other side of that. So... We're look, are we looking at a large number of runaways that end up in this particular oh, area? So, yeah, we're looking at it. Because it seems right in that we go that way. The trafficker yeah. would offer food, shelter, probably show a little love. Yeah. yeah. That's correct. Correct. I mean, yeah. We actually address that in our film as well. It's so easy. I mean, that's just, it's just, that's the easiest scenario for them as opposed to having to acquire them. That's just the easiest one. And back in the day, when somebody goes missing or a runaway, you know, in those 72 hours, you know, our biggest fear was, are they going to end up dead? Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? But nowadays, it's not. It's, they're in the system. Yes. And it's and it's yeah. hard to find them and hard to rescue them. What I found interesting, Kara said earlier, way back beginning of the interview, that where these girls are being kept, it's not what we think, is it? It's not the dungeon, the bottom of some guy's row home or what have you. 
they're kind of kept out in, in a weird way, almost openly within high upper middle class neighborhoods uh, brought out for some sort of socialization. I mean, that seems very odd to me that they would put themselves out there, meaning the traffickers. But that that's pretty much the norm. Is that right, Kara? Um, yes, yes. Uh, is that the holding houses and, uh, again, you know, taking them out into public. Uh, a situation that I'm currently aware of, a place, a public place that I go to, and the trafficker shows up with two girls. In this situation, though, they're over 18. Okay, they're now uh, just, just over 18. You brought this up earlier. Unless the girls say they want to get away, or scream and run or whatever, there's nothing law enforcement can do. I mean, their hands are really tied. I have talked to, and Lee and I have, you know, various um, detectives and officers and and people on task forces and people involved in literally traveling around the world working uh, as advocates for sex trafficking. And um, so, so many ways, um, their hands are tied. And it's it's just that. And again, I think the big thing is is us becoming aware and paying attention. Uh, I thought I was going to have the opportunity to get a girl out of a situation here not too long ago, but she couldn't do it. She she's like, no, I she's too afraid too afraid to leave. And the average lifespan for a child. Uh, uh, in in being trafficked is seven years. Seven years of hell, which and, and makes John, me step back. Just, uh, uh, real quick, I I want the, your sure. website, please. Give me the website where the sure. trailer is, and then I I got to do something I didn't do, and I feel bad that I didn't. But please go ahead. AmyMovie dot com. It's A I M E E Movie dot com. That's our website. I apologize for this part. I got so caught up in what we were discussing. I didn't go to the end game, meaning where are these girls going? Who are they ending up with? What are they doing when they get there? What is who is who are are they ended up in porn? Are they being prostituted? Where are they going? Who's buying them? Well, yeah, well, every walk of life yeah. and find them. I mean, it could be from law enforcement to teachers to preachers to rabbis. I mean, that that's a whole nother topic. Um, the U.S. leads the whole pornography um, issue. These these kids, the average um, girls are being sold um, and being made, forced to be raped twenty to forty times a night when they, when they go to work. 20 to 40 men that they're they're forced to have sex with. I mean, it's just a horrific life. And I also want to make the comment that saving innocence fought very hard with the legislature and having the language changed to never use the term child prostitute. There is no yeah. such thing as a child prostitute. These are kids being raped for profit, for money. No child grows up and says, wow. I want to be a prostitute. And I think sometimes people use that term, that languaging, to make themselves feel better. Well, they're a, pro- they're a child, but they're a prostitute. Uh-huh. No such animal. I, I agree with I agree with Kara and the whole term pedophile. I think we should delete that term completely from the dictionary and call it what it is. Okay? It's not a pedophile. You're a child rapist. Period. Agreed. Let's change the word and the vocabulary, because if you have a pedophile living next door, as opposed to a child rapist next door, it just has a different connotation to it, you know? Mm. Now, (laughs) go ahead, Lee, real quick. Go ahead, because I got to come back with something else, but go ahead. Sure, sure. But ultimately, you know, what you're talking about is where do they go after they're out of the system or whatever, if they survive it, because most of the time they don't survive it. Most of the time they end up dead. You know, but if they do, most likely because they make so much money and they don't know how to interact with society, they will go into prostitution or pornography and such. Okay, I misspoke here. I didn't realize we were going to Westchester University football more quickly than I thought. What do I got, Jack? Oh, I got time. Oh, you're showing me a sign. I'm thinking I had a bottom out. Uh, Do I have the one? Do I have the one uh, twelve fifteen or? Do I have it? Oh, okay. You sent me the sign. I'm going. Well, geez. I mean, I'm like, I, I I have to end this, and I don't. But 
Sorry. 1520 WCHU. <laughs> <laughs> Say it again. Give us the give us the call letters. 1520 WCHU West, Justin. That's good. And uh, thank God for that, because we're given a voice here that needs a voice. Um, real quick, I'm going to go through that list again. And Kara, feel free to jump in. Uh, you're affiliated with ARC Association for the Recovery of Children out of California. Yes. CC's Hope Center, Arizona. For the One, New Mexico, Saving Innocence out of California. And there was a, another one, Kara, go ahead, because I did not write that down. Fight to End Exploitation in Wisconsin. Well, who, who are the rescue units here? Because I'm more, more in my mind, I know where I'm going, and that's going to be a team uh, of people who have training and who know how to go in and rescue, uh, extract, and do what needs to be done. So I'll throw that at Kara first. Then, Lee, I want you to hit it because I'm pretty sure it's in the movie. So go ahead, Kara. Uh, Association for the Recovery of Children, they are comprised of former intelligence, military, and law enforcement personnel, um, and they rescue missing, abducted, and trafficked American children being held in the U.S. or overseas. Um, this, their all-encompassing uh, re- recovery program comes at no cost to the custodial parent, and they have a 100% success rate. Now, the caveat to hmm. that is if the child is still alive when they get there. There have been situations where they get somewhere and the child is, has been killed. The child is no longer alive. But um, just a phenomenal organization, boots on the ground, and that's that's what they do. They go. It's very inspirational too. I mean, the, what these people do selflessly is, is absolutely amazing. It makes you want to take up arms and roll out with them. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Oh yeah. And for us, within the movie, I made sure, like at the end, like our character who's done this to go rescue her sister. She now knows now coming out of the military because you come out of the military. Where do I go next? Mm-hmm. But because she, she was thrown into this, she knows her life's purpose now. So that's going to become her life's purpose at that point. Between the two of you having to film this, having to research it, then you just describe the main character, what her life will be. For you, Kara, for you, Lee, what was the collateral damage? Unintended, of course. But you can't be involved in something like this movie, do this kind of research and not have it stay with you. Kara, what was your, go ahead, Kara, tell it, tell, I'm really curious, where did it hit you? How do you live with it? (laughs) Sometimes not so well. I've cried a lot of tears over this topic, but uh, back to what Lee said earlier, you know, um, Lee's even said to me once, he said, you need to put your uh, big girl panties on (laughs) and move forward. (laughs) But um, I'll always be involved. I'll always be a supporter. Um, I would love to lobby uh, eventually uh, to have some laws changed. And I do want to say, I want to bring attention also to our other four organizations. Um, We need more rescuers, but we also need a lot more uh, places like CC's and For the One and Saving Innocence and Fight to End Exploitation. Because these organizations and what they do is also huge because you're not going to rescue a kid or they're not going to escape after everything they've been through and throw them back home, throw them back into foster care, mm. put, a, put them in a motel to be safe for a month or two, and they're twinkled all better. This takes years. The rehabilitation takes a long time. And the dedication on a different spectrum of what these people do, I, I talked to... Um, one person one time and I said how do you do this on a daily basis that you're with these girls and yet you know and they're with you for years and she said because what we're doing is making a difference she said if it wasn't I don't think I could continue with this and I don't think really any human being could so their courage and the time and a lot of them suffer PTSD you know and and go have to go through special sessions and training on a regular basis just because of what they deal with trying to help these kids. And 
so this is huge too. what they do. I would inspire every human being, reach out to ARC, reach out to one of these other organizations. If you want, find one in your state. Pretty much every state has these nonprofits because this is going on everywhere and support them in whatever way you possibly can. This is huge. I want to slide in real quick before I turn it over to Lee and his personal experience and how he will carry this. Remember, your average police officer, your average cop, sees things every day that the average citizen never will. And they can't, they cannot grasp it, meaning the average citizen. So just remember the cop that you might be angry at or the ones that you're protesting right now. I'm not saying they're all perfect. Just remember something. You're running to them when you're in trouble. You're running to them. So just keep that in mind before you throw an insult to a cop. You throw something at them. They've seen a lot. They want to help. Don't make them not want to. Lee, for you, and I think it's going to be different for you coming as a man. uh, What will you take with you for the rest of your life based on this topic, this movie, Amy? You know, it's, just daily life, walking and, you know, seeing people in my own neighborhood. My wife, we walk our dogs all the time. We see a certain house, and you're like, is that a, a holding house? Is that the way that people are acting? I'm, you're scarred by this content. And, you know, all the research that we've done, we've met with so many law enforcement and detectives and recovery people. They've told us so many haunting stories that are now mm. I can't get rid of. And being a very creative person, mm-hmm. I see it in my soul. Yeah. And when we wrote the script, all our script is based on every single one of those stories. It has factual details to it. So that was probably when Kara said one of our first drafts was so disturbing that I said, let's burn it and never see it again. Because it, it left a black stain on my heart and my soul. And I think this topic definitely does that. And I think I'll never be able to escape it. And I will look at people differently, you know, even when they're talking about, hey, look at that girl. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't think it's something that I could ever. I don't know. I guess the veil has lifted, you know, so to speak. Well, that's what you hope. And I hope with you that this movie, Amy, A-I-M-E-E, which I liked how you spelled it differently, will have the same impact on the general audience, generally society itself here. And they'll see it for what it's worth. They'll see that sex trafficking exists and could be right here in my backyard, my neighbor, what have you. Uh, that's what will make the movie powerful. And I want to go back again and Jack, my producer here, echoed it with me. This is not a documentary. This is not a docudrama. This is a movie. This has action. This has people who you can see really care. I believe, Carrie, you said some of this was based loosely on someone's experience it's it's based on on what is going on out there right now okay you know on what's happening here in the u.s so you got all of that happening look i understand where we are today in society i understand we're at a quick pace we have so many different news outlets everyone's going a million miles a minute nobody talks they sit there with their cell phones and their iPads or what have you. Not in meetings I have, though. Everybody puts them in a basket. And I have them taken uh-huh. away. Oh, yeah, I have them taken away. I see you, and I'm doing a presentation. I will lose it. Because <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I'm old enough to know how rude that is to do yeah. that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I keep that in the back of my head. So, find the time to really just learn a little bit. You don't have to be an expert in the topic. What do you think, Jack? You don't just enough to be aware. Yeah, just just enough to be aware and, and know the dangers of what goes on. Yeah, what to look for, who to look for, who to contact if there yeah. is an issue. Uh, all of those things, so important. Lee, now that it's coming, you know, after all these years that both of us, it's starting to, starting to really happen. Um, you're in the post-production part, if I'm correct. Now you're looking for outright distribution. That's correct. That's our, that's any film's next stage is how you're going to get the film to a global market out there. And that usually comes from distribution. So that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. You know, people are starting to look at us and pay attention and make, make some uh, interest in it, which is really good. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, Lee, one more time with 
the website, please. And then, Kara, right after that, give us the different organizations, affiliates again, please. Sure. You can visit uh, our website at amymovie.com. That's A-I-M-E-E movie.com. And you can uh, learn about our film and our affiliates on that, which Carol will explain who those are and know how to contact us and get involved. Excellent. Go ahead, Kara. Yes, we're looking at ARP, Association for the Recovery of Children in California, Saving Innocence in California, CC's Hope Center in Arizona for the One in New Mexico, and Fight to End Exploitation in Wisconsin. Excellent. I want to thank both of you for coming on, for being able to stay on a little longer. I know it's your passion. I know it's what you put your lifeblood into. But I know it's also not an easy topic to have to discuss every day, probably several times a day. It just it, it can't be. I don't care how positive you're, what you're trying to do. It has to be draining. So I want to thank you for taking that extra time and, and being with me and my audience so we can learn and understand more. Um, open. Just let you guys know you have an open door here to my show. Anytime. Just give me a heads up. We, we can come back and discuss anything and everything that you feel is necessary. And from there, I am going, don't worry, it's my pleasure. Going to close out uh, to my audience, find the trailer, find the trailer to Amy, listen to the song as we close out. Thanks. Thank you, John. Never in a million years did I ever think that this would happen. 